Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Score! Alex Ovechkin still going strong, overpowering at 600. Score! Backstrom has tied it. Totally fired. Rebound doorstep. It's in. Save made by Braden Holtby. Oh, my. As Alex Tuck was robbed, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Hey everybody and welcome in to another edition of the Capitals Talk Podcast. I am your host for today, Capitals writer J.J. Regan, in place for Rob Carlin, who is out gallivanting across the world, enjoying his summer. With me today, he is the Kenny to my Cartman, he is the fellow Capitals writer Brian McNally. McNally? What's up? You ready to talk some burning questions? Yeah, let's do some burning questions. We got some burning questions. These questions will determine whether or not the Capitals have a successful season. We got 20 of them. We're going to do the first five this week. We got some good stuff, including Alex Ovechkin, the third line, Nick Jensen, Todd Reardon, and the power play. But we're going to start off with the big man, Alex Ovechkin. Can Alex Ovechkin continue scoring 50 goals? I don't know, JJ. That's 50 goals at his age. I mean, at a certain point, I get his teammates are like, look, he's Ovi. Why would you question him? And, And I get that. But I think I've said before, Father Time's undefeated. At some point, 50 goals is not going to happen. You can be a freak, a workout warrior. You can do the full Yager and, and go, you know, ride bikes up mountains and be like Chara and, and all these guys. And I get Ovechkin will keep himself in good shape. Um, but durability starts to get chipped away a little bit, especially for forwards who play the game the way he does. He's picked his spots. I totally get that. You know, he's learned how to not be a reckless player the way he was as a young, as a young guy. Um, but I don't know. I, I, 50, 50 is difficult, and everything has to go right for you. I, I, I just don't think – I think 40 and they're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's at that point in his career where they have to plan for that too. Like 40 goals, good enough. We'll figure out the rest. I think if you see another 33-goal season from him this year, you might be in a little bit of trouble considering the yes. they lost some offensive production. And that would be a huge decline. Season. I mean, if you're declining down into the low 30s, right. that, that would worry me a little bit. That's a problem. Yeah. Look, I, I get Father Time is undefeated. Um, I'm going to stop betting against Alex Ovechkin until I see it with my own eyes. Fair. Because I have assumed when, I, when he scored 33 goals, the question that I got all summer that year was, can he get back to 50? And I just yeah. thought, no, what, what are you people talking about? Yeah, you're crazy. Those days are over. He did it again at 33. I mean, this guy was already an all-time great player. He was going to be. This is another chapter to his career. I think we need to sit back and appreciate his career as a whole and realize that what he is doing at his age is going to be part of what makes him great. It's not what he has already done. It's what he is doing now is going to be part of the overall Ovechkin story. The way last season played out, it wasn't, he didn't score seven goals in the first two games of the season like he did. The way he did the year before. The year before, and then sort of coasted on that to 49. He was pretty productive the entire year. 
And in the playoffs, him and Nicholas Bastian were the best two players on the ice. The why best I, two players. That's why I felt ice. like a wasted yeah. season, right? I, when yeah, your two best players are doing that and you don't advance, man, that's not... That, that right. must still, for a lot of those guys, must still leave kind of a hollow feeling. Pretty disappointing. Yeah. What, I believe he got four goals in seven games, yep. nine points in those seven games. Right. And that game seven performance was one of the best performances I've seen of Ovechkin in his career. So you give me the extended offseason, the fact that he's done this two years in a row. I get he's going to be 34. That's really getting <laughs> up there. But at this point, I'm not going to bet against him until I see it. Did you check out Instagram the other day? His wife's Instagram, where he's, he's on like vacation in a villa in Italy, and he's <laughs> still out running in the, in the mountains and, and doing all the things he has to do to, yeah. to get back in shape. I do like your point about the long off season, finally, right? You, don't ne- you never want that to be the reason you have optimism going into the next year. Right. But for an older team... We've seen teams reset, too. I mean, the Blackhawks and Bruins both did it, where they kind of took a year off. Remember, the Caps beat the Bruins in 2012, the year after the Bruins won the Cup? Well, the Bruins were right back in the final the next year, right? That can kind of reset you. So if we're looking at this as a positive, a lot of plus 30 players, um, I think that that is a good thing for Ovechkin. I think mentally refresh, start over, and now getting to sh- you know that peak shape again, right. and uh, he's still going to need some luck. He's still going to need that power need play to, to hum a little bit. And he may need a few more empty net goals than he has in the past. Right. But. He's he's really missed a lot of the Seriously, in the, in the forty nine goal year, he couldn't have found one so extra one more empty net. Just one yeah, extra I empty netter. I know. Um, it's tough. So I, I think I think you're right. In in the long run, do I want to bet against him? No. But I think this team is fine if he scores 40-plus. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You, you have to be able to make that up. I'll take 40, but I'm not going to bet against 50. Fair enough. Let's move on. Yep. Some of the new faces here. Can a Carl Haglin, Lars Eller, Richard Ponick third line provide enough offense? That's a, Look, it's clear that Brian McClellan went defensive heavy yeah. in, in this free agency, and that makes a lot of sense because those good defensive players always cost a little bit less than those good offensive players. Right. But still, we hear all the time, it's not top six anymore, it's a top nine. That is a top six, that is a third line that doesn't get a whole lot of offense. Is this going to be a problem for the Caps? They all need to live up to their abilities, right? Like, if they're all 15, 16, 17 goal guys, I think that's fine. I think that's enough. If, if you're getting, you know, around 45, 50 goals from that group, okay, that's great. Brett Conley had what last year, 22? Yeah. But, he, but in the years prior, he was at 15. Carl Haglin, a little bit of a concern because Haglin's not necessarily a finisher. He's got the speed to put pressure on opposing uh, defenders. But, you know, he's, he's not a guy who's had, and you can look up Haglin's stats, how many 20-goal yep. seasons has he had? I'm looking at it's, right now. It's not, I don't think it's going to be very many. If, uh, zero would be the answer. Zero, okay. So we li- literally, he's 30. We know who Carl Haglin is. He's not scoring 20 goals this year. That's no. not happening. Nope. Um, Richard Ponick, uh, you know, he's, he much like uh, Andre Burakovsky, I think, who has since been traded. Ponick has had a 20-goal season with Chicago, played with some elite players, was on a line with Jonathan Taves. That helps. But that, and that does help, <laughs> but he's not playing with Jonathan Taves. He's nope. playing with Lars Eller, who is a fine third-line center, dedicated player both ways. But Lars Eller also. Is Lars Eller getting 20 goals this year? 
And hasn't before. He hasn't before. Ever. So like, and look, these guys are well into their career. It's unrealistic to expect um, a 20 goal season from any of them. So to me, they all have to be in the 15 goal range. Yeah. And if you get least, 45 goals, yeah. right? And maybe one of them gets 17, 18, then you're good. Um, none of them are going to see much power play time, um, if any. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a difficult situation there. I, I think, I think that only comes into play if the top six, if a couple of guys don't live up to what they normally do. That's when you may say, well, we need more from our third line and it's not happening. And also, obviously, the playoffs. I mean, the the Caps won a title because their third and fourth liners contributed, um, didn't get enough of that last Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, and that's definitely a concern. When you just had seven playoff games and you had only five goals from your bottom six, uh, two of them were from Brett Connolly. No longer here. One of them was an empty netter. Yeah. One right. of them was a penalty shot. Right. So you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for depth scoring. Yep. And then you watched a lot of that depth scoring go out the window. Yeah, you had At- cap reasons. You had to toss some of yep. it. Some of it was Burkowski, them just kind of finally being done, waiting for him to hit his, uh, you know, to hit his talent ceiling. Right. Um, so here's the good news. How many times have we seen in the last few years where the Cavs bring in a forward and he has his best career numbers ever in his first year with the Cavs. They've been good. They've been good so, at identifying talent that other teams maybe haven't gotten the most out of. Right. So I'm right. looking at Richard Ponick and saying maybe he could get to 20 goals. Okay. It's possible. He's done in the past. He yep. had, what, 18 last year, I believe? I got it right here. Well, he yep. had 14 goals last year. Maybe that's a bit of a jump. Um, but certainly possible. You've got to have them all over 15 at least. Can't have a dude get... And, and let's be honest, the depth might not necessarily, we can probably talk about this later, but the depth isn't necessarily there where you have a scoring guy to bring into a top nine role. Right. Before you had so much talent, you know, back in the day with Justin Williams being in the top six, you had guys like Burakovsky lower in the lineup right. who could jump up and play those roles. Not saying Haglin can't do that, not saying Ponick can't do that, but I don't think they can do it for two months right. and provide you the, the offense that you need if T.J. Oshie or somebody gets hurt. Um, so it, it, that, that line can contribute offensively. The hope is that they're not going to have to contribute more than you expect. If you're expecting 50 goals from that group, I, I just think you're going to be disappointed no, and it's not happening. I think you're looking at probably 45 at the most. Okay. And will that be good enough with an aging top six? Yep. Yeah, you got Vrana, but an aging top six. Yep. Um, you know, I don't want to see this team become reliant. I don't want to see them come offensively top-heavy, but I think that's a big question when you look at that third line. I like the third line. It looks good. It looks much better defensively. It's possible that you don't – what did they score last year? 275 goals, something like that. Yeah. Maybe you only need 260 this year. Yeah. Maybe you can be equally as good a team because you're better defensively. You take some of the pressure off your right. goalies. Braden Holpe doesn't have to play at a – extremely high level uh, or you're not leaving them out to dry as often so all of that plays into this but I mean I think you have to go into the season acknowledging that that is not going to be one of the top scoring offensive third lines in the league Um, and that's okay it doesn't have to be but they have to do they have to do their uh, you know still pull their their fair share we'll see if that happens we're going to see a lot more three two games than five four games next year I think from the seems like things go the way they're hoping uh, okay, next question, and this is sneakily one of the most important questions mm-hmm. of the season. K 
Can Nick Jensen handle a top four role on the Caps defense? I mean, they handed him a contract that says he probably should. That's not a crippling deal, right? It's a, it's two and a half million. It's a good deal for it's a good four deal, years. But you gave him four years sight unseen, which right. and you don't do that for a guy that you think is going to be playing on your third pair. Now, his underlying analytics were very good in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I think throughout the league, everybody was like before the trade deadline, before he even came to Washington. There was a lot of talk of, okay, this guy's doing really well with big minutes on a bad team, and he's really the only bright spot on Detroit's blue line, and that's why he got so much attention at the deadline. So I get that. I get comfort level, right? He, he's been in Detroit for his whole career, was in Grand Rapids, was in the A, progressed, um, and finally earned those big minutes, uh, but seemed at times last year to, to struggle with um, – what they were asking him to do, the system they were asking him to play. I think training camp is big for him to get a comfort level here, uh, to get a comfort level presumably with Dmitry Orlov, uh, who himself needs to have a bounce back season. Um, all of that, it's, it's a big deal because if that doesn't work or he doesn't play up to the level you need him to, JJ, they're, they're then looking, they're in trouble a little bit. Then you're, then you're asking Radko Gudis to come up um, and he's probably better in a third line or a third pair uh, role. I, I don't know. That, that, that to me is one of that, – that's a higher question maybe than, than people right. will put it off, uh, offhand. So Nick Jensen didn't look all that great when he came after the trade. Now, sometimes yeah. that happens. Sometimes there's an adjustment period that you need when you get traded in the middle of the season. Sure. And I've talked to him a little bit about this. Uh, if you look at Detroit's system – when you are playing the left or the right, you pretty much stay on the left or the right. Right. The Capitals, you move a lot. You, you switch sides a lot in their defensive system. Right shot defensemen are very used to playing on the right side and not so much used to playing on the left. And the reason why that is is because there's not as many right shot defensemen as there are left shot defensemen. Right. Whereas we saw the last few years, you're asking Christian Jews to play on the right because you don't have as many right shot defensemen. It, that doesn't happen as much with the, right, with the righties. So Nick Jensen, when he was put in a role and put in a system that required him to play a little bit on the left, that's where he really struggled. Everyone remembers the regular season game against Carolina where Warren Fogle turned him inside and out and just... Warren Fogle. I know. Come on now. Some, he randomly turned into a Caps killer, mm-hmm. and he just put the moves on Nick Jensen. I felt bad for him afterwards. You come into a new team... And then you just got your ankles broken by Warren Fogle. That can't happen this year. No, and I don't think it will. I mean, look, he's a good skater. Um, he's got a lot of the strengths in his game that, say, like a Nate Schmidt had a couple years ago. You don't have to be a big bruiser to be an effective defenseman in this league anymore. Skating and, and the ability to move puck, pucks out of trouble. I think we saw that from him. I think mm-hmm. he was good, especially, I mean, the Caps in that 10-game stretch after they got him and Michael Kempney was still healthy, so Jensen was playing a, a third-line role in that case, right? He didn't have to move around. Right. Um, he, he looked pretty good. I, I thought he looked yeah. pretty good about what you expected coming in from Detroit. It was when you got, when Kempney went out and the lineup got shuffled, and uh, he just didn't, didn't look uh, like the same player late. And let's be honest, too, never played in a Stanley Cup playoff game. That's he true. had no experience. You, you were throwing him in for the first time to a team that um, you know, expects to win and has kind of a high standard. 
and knows what it takes. This team for a decade has been in these games. It's nothing new to players like Ovechkin. It's nothing new even to guys like Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie. I mean, these guys have all been around, um, even Andre Burakovsky. Like, these guys knew how to, how to play in these games, what it takes to ramp your level up in the playoffs. Nick Jensen didn't have that. Now he's got a taste of it, a seven-game series. Presumably he'll be in a better position next year. It's important. This is, a, this is a big question this year. If he can not only handle those big minutes, but handle them on a good team. It's a big question because Radko Gouis, as good as he was last year, I mean, he was voted Philadelphia's best defenseman last year. And right. look what happened to Philadelphia. That's not someone you right. want to rely too much on. I like him in the third pair, but Jensen needs to play on the top four. Yeah. And he needs to fit in there. And if Todd Reardon is the defensive guru that everyone claims he is, then this should be a transition make it that work. he's able to make. Make it work. Speaking of Todd Reardon, yep. do you like that? You like that transition? I do. Right like, I do. Well played. Professional. What adjustments does Todd Reardon need to make in his second season as head coach? It's an interesting question. I mean, it's not necessarily one we're qualified to answer. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I'm not going to sit here and break down film and say, you know, he needs to be better. at this. I think let... Watching Barry Trotz work over the course of his career, watching Bruce Boudreau for a couple of years, covered him. Um, player management is huge in this, in any team, in any locker room. So you need to be able, and managing your assistant coaches as well, right? Mm-hmm. Can't take on too much. The, the head coach has to do, has to delegate. He has to trust his coaching staff. Um, you know, hey, Scott Arneal working with you know who he works with all these different guys that you're managing more than just i'm going to be on the ice every day with my you know my my guys my seven defensive men defensemen and we'll go from there um head coach doesn't have that luxury so how did todd kind of do in his first year with that and what adjustments does he make coming back just on a management level just how he delegates when he sees something maybe isn't to his liking, how he handles that. Um, I, I think those things, we can talk about, you know, adjustments during the playoff series itself. That's a different animal to me than getting right. there and getting yeah. through the regular season. The grind, I thought, he, I thought he was actually really good at that. I mean, the Caps a couple of times last year could have cracked. I mean, there, there were the seven-game losing streak right. or the yeah, winless yeah. streak. Um, Todd got them through that. Um, or his room got him through that. Whatever it is, the coach still gets some credit. So I think he builds off that, and um, no first-year head coach is going to be perfect. I think right. that's, that was the risk the Caps took uh, by letting Barry Trotz go. So now the question is, does Reardon have it in him to make the adjustments necessary and to keep this group, which has heard his voice mm-hmm. for the most part for six years now, yep. with him and together, uh, so the, those are some of the things I would look for during the regular season anyway. Yeah. So you touched on this, but I think this is a bigger question for the playoffs Okay. because I thought he did pretty well in the regular season. And the, most of the questions I have as him as a coach. I mean, they won the division and all yeah. that. Like, what, we're quibbling if we're like, ripping on him for that. You know, my, my, most of my questions on him as a head coach come from his decisions in the playoffs where – you know, was John Carlson playing on the left side really the best decision? Why did it take Jonas Siegenthaler so long to get up to the top pairing when clearly that worked? I, it, why did it take three games to get a clearly struggling Christian Jews out of the lineup? Those kinds of things. Right. In the regular season, look, they started off 7-6-3, and three, not a great start, rebounded. Had a seven-game losing streak. 
managed to rebound from that. You can't do that without a good head coach. I just don't see, I don't see how a team can rebound from those kinds of things without a head coach who knows what he's doing and has some respect from the locker room. The big question for me, the big adjustment for me, you don't have Matt Niskanen, you don't have Brooks Orpik. Right. You don't have those voices in the locker room anymore, which means Todd Reardon is probably going to have to have more of a voice, more authority over this team. Can he do that? Can he work with Ovechkin? Can Ovechkin be the voice in the locker room and Todd Reardon be the voice behind the bench? With those leaders gone, I think the scrutiny is going to be on the head coach to take more of a role, and that is something that I want to see from him. Can you yeah. handle that? I, I do. I still like the room, though. I still yeah, like the no, Oshies. For sure. I, you know what? Tom Wilson. Yep. Still a guy, you need guys like Orpik who can call you in and say, like, dude, we need more from you. Like, what are you doing? And explain, like, work with guys mm-hmm. and build relationships with guys. All of that's important. You can't just, on a, on a championship team, Unless you're ridiculously talented, you can't just walk in and clock in and go, We're, you know, I'm just going to do my job today. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I think on old past Caps teams, I think we saw some of that. Yeah. I think we saw guys who didn't necessarily know how to get maybe more from their teammates or how to ask more of them in the right way. It took Alex Ovechkin probably a long time to, to get comfortable with that. Captain at, at age 22, 23, whatever. Um, and so they had that for a long time, and now some of that's starting to dissipate. Can they still keep it up? I think they can. I, I think Reardon can rely on Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, um, Ovechkin, uh, John Carlson to a certain extent. Nick Backstrom has to be that guy to a certain extent, and I think has gotten more uh, vocal when he sees things going that aren't, aren't his way, aren't, aren't mm-hmm. the correct way. So all of that said... It lands on Todd Reardon's doorstep, right. and and how do you handle how do you handle that pressure? Um, again, it was a good sign last year when things went sideways that that team pulled itself out of yep, the ditch for sure. Pulled itself out of the ditch and won the division. Division could also be harder this year. It could be much and much harder this year. So those those are the things that look. I mean, going we can go into X's and O's. None of us are qualified to say exactly what you know what Todd Reardon should or shouldn't do. Like, should he have? You know, we, we can look at it and say usage-wise, mm-hmm. did he use guys the correct way? I think we were always curious why someone like Dmitry Yashkin right. was kind of iced out. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some concerns um, with how the Jensen thing was handled. Like, if a guy's not comfortable playing on the left side sometimes, do you, do you just work with it? Right. Do you say, suck it up? Like, how did, make it, he, uh, the coach's job ultimately is to make it work. So I get going like, I know you're uncomfortable, we need you to do this, but it didn't work, right? So they weren't good enough defensively in the playoffs. Carolina exposed them, and, and Carolina was a very good offensive team. We get that, but you, you have to find ways to make that stuff work. No roster is going to be ideal. You're going to have to deal with injuries. You're going to have to, you know, if your GM goes out and gets you a player, you better use him correctly. If there's, if there's any disconnect between coach and GM on – how to use a guy, that's an issue too. So all those things are just questions we have. It was a good first season for Todd Reardon. Um, the question is, can he keep it up for a second, and can he learn lessons from what he did last year and, uh, and go from there? The two positives, if you're looking for positives, as to how he can take the next step. Yeah. His strengths as a coach, one, building personal relationships. That's going to be big this year, especially with those two leaders gone from the yep. locker room. 
He can do that. We know he can do that. That's what made that's what endeared him to the players in the first place was being able to do that. Second is that he's a defensive first sort of coach. That's where he that's where his expertise lies. And this is a roster that looks like it's geared more towards the defense this year than it was previous year, where there was there were at times definitely disconnects between him and Brian McClellan. You saw that you touched on Dmitry Ashkin. Yep. So the fact that maybe this roster may be tailored a bit more towards Top Reardon's liking. Those, I think, are definite positives going forward. And that brings us to our last question. Can the power play get back to an elite level? And by elite, I'm going to use, like, top ten, right? I, I top five, whatever. I don't, I don't think it necessarily has to be. We've seen years where uh, they've had the number one power play and not done anything in the playoffs, right? Yep. It's not just always about that. It can make things easier on you. Um, but this team may need a top 10 power play just in terms of maybe the step back in goals from just its top players. Maybe that third line not being as good as offensively as, as you would ideally like. Um, and so to me that they do have to move into that, you know, 22% range, top, top 10, top eight. They don't have to be the best. I think Adam Oates, one of the things I would, you know, I would learn from him just listening to him would be like, who cares if we're fourth or seventh? You know, it doesn't matter. You just want to have a good group, a sustainable group. They have the talent there. Um, they should be able to put up big points. And I think, I did the research yesterday, JJ, I think 2010-11, this year they were 12th. They fell out of the top 10, they were 12th. 2010-11 was the last time that happened. So it's been a while. This team has generally been able to rely on that unit. Um, and, you know... There were a couple of years there in, in the 10, 11, 12 range where they dropped out. They were like 18th the one right. year, right? It, 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 it fell off until they replenished the talent level to go with Ovechkin and Backstrom. Obviously, Kuznetsov, Marcus Johansson, all those guys eventually came, came and made, made a difference. TJ Oshie um, using Tom Wilson in a secondary role in that kind of Oshie spot, the bumper spot. All that Jake Verana can can play a second power play unit. Um, to me, they have to bump that thing up a couple of percentage points to uh, to really make it easier on themselves in the regular season. So before I talk about the power play, did you yep. just reference Adam Oates as a coach in a positive way? That is the one time I will do that. <laughs> that because that, I think he was right. I think you know there were times like, hey, we had the number one power play. Yeah, we went out in the first round. What what did that get us? You heard it here. Brian McNally, quote, Adam, Adam Oates, Oates was right. Adam Oates apologized. <laughs> You're going to your New York Post-style yep. headline. McNally, Oates, great coach. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did I say that? I didn't say that. But having said that, it's been a while. It's been a long time since they yeah. were not, you know, last year they were 12th. 12th is good. It seems like, oh, 12th is good. But what if they regress? That's what I'm, that's right. what, that's, you, you can't drop, 12th is on the border. Right. If your power play is suddenly producing below league average, right. uh-oh, that, that's, tr- that's trouble to me. It's that like, means guys are, by the way, that means guys, everyone's numbers across the board. If they drop down in the 16, 17, 18 range, means Ovechkin's not getting 50. TJ Oshie's numbers are going down. Nick Backstrom, could, right. across the board, you need, you need to be productive. With, with offensive depth being a serious question for this team this season, you have to be able to produce on the power play. Yep. For sure. You cannot let it regress at all. Can they get it back to an elite level? Yes, because what we saw was when the power play was in the offensive zone and set up, it was 
operating at an elite level. It looks fantastic. Uh, it's lethal. I mean, there's so much talent. The, the problem was getting the puck into the offensive zone. I mean, once the once the penalty kill cleared the puck once, power play was pretty much over. Right. Because they couldn't get it in the zone. So, hit right here. Get rid of the slingshot. It is garbage. It doesn't work. It is horrendous. Now, look, I'm a, it may be it. That's really oversimplifying it. I get it. And I'm not going to blame Blaine Forsythe for that because the slingshot is something that a lot of teams across yeah, the league are doing. We see it all the time everywhere. We see it, at, we see it everywhere. So clearly somebody, a collection of coaches have seen something in the slingshot where they say, this works, this is why. It doesn't work for the Capitals. It does not work for the Capitals. And the one thing, I knew Marcus Johansson was going to be too expensive. I knew that move didn't make sense. But the one reason why you would maybe consider holding your nose and spending that money was because Marcus Johansson was really good at bringing the puck into the offensive zone. Zone entry monster. He was right? great at that. He's great at it. Yep. You cannot go into this season with the slingshot being your primary means of entering the zone on the power play. It doesn't work. They don't play well with it. Use speed. Attack the offensive zone, but do not use the slingshot. And if you do that, then yes, they can get back to an elite level, but they cannot do it with the slingshot because it doesn't work and they look terrible doing it. So I don't have your anger at the slingshot, <laughs> but I, I do think they need to make some adjustments. There's no question that um, zone entries and, and getting the puck in cleaner to let that talent do it. That talent doesn't, it, it, it doesn't do any good if you're not retrieving pucks and if you're not keeping it getting it into the offensive zone cleanly so that you can set up these guys um look everyone knows what alex ovechkin is going to do there's no like secret once they get it in the zone right um yeah they can't stop it so get it in the zone they probably that i i don't think the nhl has come up with a way to handle alex ovechkin's one-timer from the left circle so maybe get more of them and the way to get more of them is to get the puck into the zone cleanly. Easier said than done, obviously. PK's scout each other becomes really hard in the playoffs when you have a you know not only a season's worth of, of video, but you see a team day after day. Blaine Forsyth and, and crew are going to have to maybe figure some things out. Again, they weren't bad last year. I'm not, we're not killing them, but they we're so used to a certain level from the Caps on the power play that I, I do think they need to get back into that that top 10, top eight range, and um, and I think they'll be fine. But it'll be interesting to see in training camp what they kind of work on to, to get that out of that talented group. So those are the five burning questions of the week. We will have an article on each question every day, Monday through Friday. We got 20 of these, so we're going to be, be doing good. it. Yeah, we're, we're giving you guys some content over yep. the summer. We're it's, doing it for four <laughs> weeks here. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a podcast every week. We're going to have a video every week on the top question of the week. This yep. week it was Alex Ovechkin's goals. Yep. Will uh, Alex score 50? Yep. Is that uh, is that a thing? We talked about it a little bit early here in the podcast, but you know, we'll have a little video for you where me and JJ bat that idea back and forth. Yep. I success, successfully outdebated you once again, as so always. In, so many incorrect opinions. <laughs> uh, we're going to have, we got, like I said, we got 20 of these. So keep coming back to NBCSportsWashington.com for these. Throughout the month, we got some good questions. Some on Michael Kempney, Kenny Kuznetsov, Radko yeah. Gudis. How many goats the team should sacrifice in order to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup again? So not, all of those big questions. Not chickens. Not chickens. Just See, goats. This is one of our debate videos. Yeah. Chicken versus goat. Uh, <laughs> so we've got 
big questions that will determine whether or not the Capitals will have a successful season this year. Check back with us all summer long. I don't get the summer off. I'm jealous. My wife is a teacher. She literally does not have to work. I do not get that luxury. I'm going to be working all summer. Oh, man, I'm going to Europe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I we'll, should complain. I've had two, I'm having two vacations. You had two vacations. You had a little bit. Yeah. But, I, I had one during the season, so that was, that was <laughs> fine. The caps are away. Didn't anyway, but we're still going to be riding for you. Capital season never ends at NBC no. Sports Washington. We're going to bring content throughout the summer, so keep checking back with us at NBCSportsWashington.com. For Brian McNally, I'm JJ Regan. Thanks for tuning in.